fate, struggle, resilience, hope. All are stretched and distorted into unrecognizable infinity as they approach the singularity at the center of the black hole. We remain here as witnesses, studying the results and transmitting our findings to anyone who will listen. Coming to you live from the edge of the event horizon, this is the Quantum Reactor. A sci-fi movie review podcast starring two brave souls with stars in our eyes and quasars in our hearts. My name is Jeremy Cobb. And my name is Andrew Coombs. And both our pronouns are he, him. Now, your clothes. Give them to me. <laughs> of all the lines, of all the lines from this movie, that he used. <laughs> Arguably oh. the best, if not the most famous. Yes, clearly, yes. Uh... We are here to talk about the 1984 film Terminator. The Terminator. Directed by James Cameron, starring Linda Hamilton, Michael Bean, Arnold Schwarzenegger. It is undoubtedly one of the most iconic sci-fi films of all time. Yeah. One of the most iconic action films of all time. Absolutely. Starring one of the most iconic actors of all time. Mm -hmm. Directed by one of the most iconic directors of all time. Yeah. It is a powerhouse. And one of the most iconic heroines, uh, who eventually becomes one of the most iconic heroines of all time. It, yes. The, the, the characters in this movie shot their way up into that Marvel Cinematic Universe comic book level modern mythology mm -hmm. uh, type of level and it's just amazing. Yeah, and honestly, it had been so long since I watched this movie, but re-watching the movie, I got it. Yeah. Like, I was sitting here like, yeah, no, I get why this is one of the most, like there's so many iconic scenes in this film. It's wild how well it holds up. Like, yes, there are parts that are a little dated mm -hmm. and there's some janky CGI here and there, mm -hmm. but it's I, it's incredible how well it holds up yeah. for, for all these years later. Yeah, just uh, the fundamentals on this movie are so strong. So And good. like even things, there was, and we'll get to, when we get to spoilers eventually, uh, there's even towards the end, there's stuff that I'm watching, I'm like, if this had been handled poorly, mm -hmm. this would be ridiculous instead of horrifying. Yes. Uh, so especially throughout the climax of the film. There's some stuff in there that's like, uh, you either get, oh, come on, uh -huh. or, oh, come on, <laughs> which is what you definitely get the latter. You definitely It's do. so well executed. So, Jeremy, for those who may have been... Uh, unblessed with the uh, the watching of this film previous. Can you give us a quick rundown on the basic plot of the movie? Yes. So we actually, and this is something I had completely forgotten. We open on the future. That's right. I thought we started in the 80s, but no. We start in 2029. We get a little info dump uh, as we see a some kind of like large vehicle with like tank treads running over skulls in this post-apocalypse. <laughs> Such a great opening image. Yes, this post-apocalyptic landscape, a hellscape, frankly, yes. uh, with this ominous music. And it, we find out in 2029, there is a war with the machines raging. It started with a nuclear war, and now the machines are trying to exterminate all of humanity. But the fate of this war, we find out, is going to be decided in the past. We don't know how, we just get that hook. Uh, and from there, we immediately jump back to the 1980s, and we meet uh, 
about 10 minutes into the movie, actually, mm -hmm. our protagonist, Sarah Connor, who has a, she's, she's a young woman in her, probably in her 20s. Mm -hmm. uh, she's living with her roommate, Ginger. Uh, she's a very likable, nice person, but she's having a rough time of it. She's getting stood up for dates. Uh, she's having, she's a waitress and she's having some rough customers. Yeah. You know, she accidentally knocks over some glasses and spills some drinks on a customer. The customers are being rude. Another little boy drops a lump of ice cream into her, into her uniform and is cheered on by other customers. There, there are a lot of uh, there's a lot of verbal abuse in this movie. Yes. In addition to in addition to the actual violence. And she's so nice. Like she's just a it feels and it's not she doesn't feel like cartoonishly nice. She just feels like a right. well-meaning person dealing with difficult circumstances. Yes. Uh, yep. and and in in the midst of this, we are introduced to two mysterious men. Oh both of whom appear in flashes of lightning and wind. Uh, one of them is a gigantic man, played by Arnold Schwarzenegger. Both of them appear completely nude. Yep. Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, in his prime, absolutely jacked, uh, is start begins carving a bloody path through L.A., for reasons that are not immediately clear. And then Michael Bean's character, uh, whose name we don't find out for quite a while yes. in this film, uh, also appears, again, fully nude, but he is basically built like a normal guy, except in a body covered with scars. Mm -hmm. uh, and also, like, in contrast to Arnold, who appears looking smooth and cool. And, and in control. Yes. And, yeah. So controlled. Honestly, that's one of the biggest things with his performance, is the amount of control that his character exerts at all times. Yes. Uh, we have, in, that. that is contrasted by uh, Michael Bean's character in agony when he first appears and he immediately, mm -hmm. uh, in contrast to Arnold's... If I remember correctly, he's like stumbling around mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. just like, looks like he's having a real rough time. He, he lands on his side. Arnold Schwarzenegger appears kneeling and like, and so in, uh, use that in control. Three, superhero three-point landing style. Like, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and we see them both, and <laughs> both the, of them- With the convenient leg lifted to protect uh, the, the <laughs> R rating. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> to keep us uh, from getting a view that probably a lot of people would have enjoyed, but- uh, <laughs> Yeah, you know, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Understandable, but yeah. the And both of these men are on a collision course for reasons that are not immediately apparent yes. with our you, protagonist, Sarah Connor, played by Linda you, Hamilton. You, you just spiked the spoilerometer a little bit, but I think we're okay. I think Ooh. we're settling back down. Yeah, I'll stop there. Uh, <laughs> what, are, what are your thoughts, like immediate thoughts and reactions to this movie? Yeah, my non-spoiler thoughts on this movie are that it is, kind of like we said at the beginning, it's iconic for a reason. Um, it is... In my opinion, if we if we're able to review more of the Terminator films, we'll get more into this. It's in my opinion not the best of the Terminator movies, but mm -hmm. it is certainly um, it, it can it can stand in the ring and throw punches with with the best. Mm. Um, it it is a movie that I think really benefits from its time, in the sense of just where it falls in the history of cinema, what had been done, what type of stories had been told. This was fresh. This was mm. new. This was different. Um, it carved new paths in in mm -hmm. cinema storytelling, um, and I think because of that, like it, it just it's able to. It's almost got an indie feel to it, right? Yeah. Like, and and it is a big budget production in a lot of ways, um, although not as big budget as some of the ones to come later. But it but it very much has a, an indie film kind of, um, you know, bootstrapped kind of kind of production. Yeah. 
all of that works so well towards its advantage, towards its charm. Even the parts of the CGI or the effects that are maybe a little more obvious, um, you know, they still work for me. Mm -hmm. And I do think on on watching this movie the last time I, I saw it, I was blown away by how good the performances are. I hadn't remembered them being that good. Because I think you think about the fight scenes and you think about some of the iconic lines and it, it almost is memeable yeah. uh, at times, you know. But the performances are... are they're 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 broad when they need to be. They're subtle when they need to be. Yeah. Schwarzenegger kills it literally and figuratively. Um, Michael Bean is just the right amount of unhinged. Mm-hmm. And and again, spoilerometer is peaking, but I'll do my best here. Um, Linda Hamilton's turn as Sarah Connor and the journey that she goes on in this movie yeah. is the heartbeat of the film. It is a beautiful rendition of the hero's journey. And mm, yeah, it is also just, I think, you know, when I think when I compare this to other movies like Alien or whatnot, I think it is in a lot of ways Hollywood's turn towards recognizing that women can be badass action stars as well as men. Mm-hmm. And that I think this movie carved a lot of ground in that territory as well. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. It is, uh, yeah, Sarah Connor eventually becomes a one of the most iconic movie heroines of all time yes. in like similar to Ellen Ripley like uh, from the mm-hmm. German, uh, excuse me from the alien franchise i i completely agree with everything you're saying the performances as you said shockingly good like like the movie's reputation and uh, and its iconography really does threaten yeah. to overwhelm in the memory but then when you go back to the film it's like this movie is lean and mean yep. and these performances are very believable these characters are immediately engaging and likable uh or or hateable or fearable like yeah, it, yeah. it it um you were talking about how it felt like it was something new i would compare it to uh i've seen this comparison made before and i would actually have to agree. Um, I would compare it to The Matrix Mm, in the sense that, and to arguably to everything, everywhere, all at once. Although everything, everywhere, movies that really just changed the genre. Yeah, and they hit, and it's like, oh, this is something new. Yep, we gotta, we gotta change what we're doing now. But like, and people were like, I I haven't seen anything like this before. Right, and really, like, so I don't think we had of the movies that I have seen. I don't think we had seen a vision of a post-apocalyptic landscape quite like we see in this movie. Right. I don't think that a machine apocalypse like uh, had really been explored in a movie yeah. in this way. I don't think that we'd seen a villain quite like this one. Mm. This is like yeah. I can you can easily look at characters like say Michael Myers or Jason Voorhees, or even the Xenomorph, sure. and see how they eventually led to something like this. But the Terminator is something different than any of those. Yeah. And honestly, like I like the Terminator better as a villain, certainly than like Jason or or Michael Myers. And I think on paper you could look at that role and go, well, any large muscular dude can play this. No. And there is something about. And I, and I will say it's both his performance and I believe honestly his physicality yeah. that Schwarzenegger alone I think is able to pull this off because and this is one reason he won you know Mr. Olympia and all that stuff it's like he's a he's, he looks like a god like he's he's yeah it's not just the bodybuilding it's the chiseled face it's the incredible good looks like it's the proportions and like bringing that to the Terminator aspect um, mm-hmm. 
and spoilerometer is really going off here, but uh, you know, it adds a layer to things that visually makes the story work as well. Yes, I completely agree. Uh, it's yeah, I think we're edging closer and closer to spoiler territory. So uh, what I will say is, <laughs> uh, there was talk early on of having O.J. Simpson play this role. Oh boy. And at the time they said no one could ever believe OJ Simpson in this role because he's just too nice. Uh, this is not a joke. You can look it up. This is true. But the honestly Jews would never do anything like that. Uh, honestly, regardless of any uh acting ability that OJ Simpson may have had. Yeah. Arnold Schwarzenegger, as you said, beyond his performance, which um, I have heard, again, described that Arnold Schwarzenegger is not, uh, not not showing emotion. He is showing no emotion. Exactly. Like he's performing yeah. emotionlessness. Yes. Uh, but even beyond that, his the, the how sculpted and sharp the bone structure in his face is, is so intimidating. It is. And there's something about it that in and, in and of itself is like, how did people not use this more? Right. Like, like in his subsequent movies, he is always unambiguously a heroic dude. Right. Like there are hardly right. any other. That's a really interesting point is that like, he doesn't have another villain in that yeah. same way. Oh, and that, I just saw, I just, the spoilerometer is going wild. Okay, we need to, I'm gonna start putting on my spoilerometer suit. I am too. Yeah, yep. here's the Here clips. We go. Here's the zips. Uh, you wanna get my door, I'll get yours? I, yep, I need my air tube first, here we go. Okay. And, okay. <sighs> okay. All right, okay. Yeah. So, the Terminator is the villain. I don't, yes. <laughs> not the biggest spoiler we could have given. <laughs> um, but yes, the two figures that come back to the past from the future. I almost said back to the future. That's a different movie we'll talk about at some Yeah, we'll point. definitely cover that one as well. <laughs> Another classic um, that has earned everybody's <laughs> reputation. Yes. One of them is there to kill and one of them is there to protect. Yes. And they are... Well, the Terminator is there to kill Sarah Connor. Yes. Uh, specifically for the reason in that in the future, Sarah Connor's son is the leader and the hero of the resistance against the machines. Mm -hmm. And so in order to eradicate humanity, stop them from ever having uh, you know, risen up and rebelled in the first place, we go back in time. And it's, it's an interesting concept because it's kind of like reverse baby Hitler. Yes. Right? It's the, it's okay, well, if we can just go back in time, we can stop him not from doing these horrible things, but from doing these heroic things. Yes. Um, which I think is very refreshing. And Michael Bean's character, Kyle Reese, has been sent back to protect Sarah Connor. Mm -hmm. And so it sets up this very interesting cat and mouse game. And you, you mentioned the film is lean. I was shocked watching this movie again, like, Oh yeah, this is pretty simple. Yeah, like it's tight. There's not a lot of subplots and things like that. Um, but yes, basically the Terminator is chasing. Remind me, what city is this supposed to take place in? Uh, Los Angeles. Los I Angeles. Believe. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So chasing Sarah Connor through Los Angeles, mostly yeah. at night, because that yes. looks better. Yes. Um, <laughs> Although Kyle the, even the broad daylight scenes where he starts, because what we get is the the way the visual information without having to give exposition tells you basically what is happening. Yes. Like we understand, oh, okay, both of these guys are looking for Sarah Connor. Yes. They both look into the phone book. Both of them look for the Sarah Connors. Yep. One of them immediately starts going through and slaughtering everyone named. Arnold Schwarzenegger immediately starts slaughtering everybody named Sarah Connor. Yep. And the first time 
time that we see that is in broad daylight in like a suburb. Mm -hmm. This nice suburban housewife, this mom of two. Just, <laughs> so unnerving. Yeah, just cold-blooded. And the way he's like, Sarah Kana, and she's like, yes. And and his, his face is so scary, uh -huh. just looking at her. And it's like, ah. Oh. And then he just casually pops the lock off on the door. And she's just like, ah, oh, stumbling yeah. back, has no idea. Then the gun comes up. And it's just like, whoa. So that's another way that I think they did such a great job using Schwarzenegger, but also like using him as the character, not just as the man. Is like, it, and these are good directorial choices, right? It would have been so easy to be like, and then he kicks the door in. He uses his strength and he breaks it apart. But really, it's nope, he just pop. Yeah. And pops it open. Like, it's yes, he's huge. Yes, he's obviously very strong. But you get the sense very quickly that, and because we don't realize that he's a robot right at first, you get the sense very quickly, mm -hmm. oh, this is beyond just the muscles. This is something otherworldly, superhuman um, yeah. that he possesses. Yeah, in his opening scene with Bill Paxton as one of the goons, <laughs> yes. where he puts his fist through a man. Yes. <laughs> he casually yes. Be he casually beats up three guys, and one of them he just shoves his hand through. Yep. Without a second thought. Yeah. Well, and it's so I always laugh at that scene because Bill Paxton had one of those um, Tommy Lee Jones faces where it's like I, I was not buying him as a as a teenager or 20 something. goon. He just always looks older than he is. Yeah. This dude looks like he's like in his 30s. <laughs> and he was in Aliens like two years after this. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I yeah I'm I'm right there with you. Uh, this it it really is. There the the plot is the two of them converge on Sarah Connor. What I love is that we don't know if either of them are good. Right. Early on, like un until almost I think I wrote it down. I think it's something like 35 minutes into the movie yep. before we actually find out if either of them are good. Yep. Uh, before we get like the Kyle Reese come with me if you want to live. Mm -hmm. the, um, there is, yeah, we see Kyle like stalking Sarah. Right. And even that is de delivered in a very creepy way. She is getting more and more unsettled. She's scared of him initially. Yep. And then uh, and like you were saying with the way that Arnold moves, it's so controlled. And so also there's something very like controlled and unbothered. Yeah. Like the way that he carries his guns He'll just casually carry heavy-duty <laughs> caliber weapons right. just through suburban Los Angeles. Does not care. Yeah, yeah. and other people are like, whoa. But he's so he's so terrifying that everybody's like, yeah, we're, I'm just going to move on from that. Right, exactly. <laughs> and you don't blame him. And I, yeah, and I, I think Michael Bean does a good job of keeping us in as much suspense as possible mm -hmm. um, with, with how unhinged he kind of feels. And so... Yeah. You know, it obviously plays a great foil to Schwarzenegger's very controlled Terminator, but but we're curious: is is this a different type of danger for Sarah? Mm -hmm. Is it? You know, we got the 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 assassin, but we do we also have the madman? Yeah. You know, coming after her until you know that reveal that he is on her side. Yeah. Um, and then we do get that very iconic "Come with me if you want to live." Line. Absolutely, um, a great line, and oh, and so well the, done. the way even the contrast in how they go about everything they're doing, like the Terminator murders people, takes their clothes, yeah. murders a guy, gets every kind of gun he wants, and a little tidbit, he asks for a plasma rifle while he's asking, talking to the guy, and the guy's like, 
we only got what you see. What? <laughs> and he's like, okay. The plasma rifle. Yeah. And he's like, wow, you really know your guns. And he just kills the guy, takes all the guns he wants. Yeah. Kyle Reese steals a dude's pants, sneaks into a store, steals Nike's, which I think he stole. I, don't, I think Nike, this is before Nike had even sponsored Michael Jordan, I think. So this is like uh -huh. early days of Nike's. They weren't like the yeah. cool shoe yet. So uh, he steals some Nike's, some black. Probably got a deal on the sponsorship. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> some black Nike's. And there are multiple shots, uh, close-ups of his black. Nikes, <laughs> and he, yeah, he. I forget. I don't even. Oh, I think he like steals the gun from like a police officer or something. Like, mm -hmm. and he's getting hunted by the police who are actually hunting for Arnold. Uh, right. And yeah, but the the whole sequence, the the action scenes in this movie are. They, they still work today. Like, oh, yeah. Arnold just getting riddled with bullets, and he just keeps getting up. Yep. He's destroying everyone. Mm -hmm. It is legitimately terrifying. Yep. He, see, he is an unstoppable force of nature. It, it's so fun to watch a movie where everything has come together so perfectly. The, like, the perfect casting, the perfect script, the perfect name. Like, what's what better name for this creature other than The Terminator? Like, mm -hmm. it just feels right, you know? And I think that's probably the best way I can sum up this movie is that, like, while we can dissect it and pull it apart and why did this work that, you just watch this and you go, yeah, this feels right. This feels, yeah. it's the gestalt. Everything came together. It's greater even than the sum of its parts. Um, mm -hmm. It's iconic for that reason. Well, I was going to say, even the amount of world building that we get is just enough. Yeah. We hear Cyberdyne, but there's never, so in such and such a year, Cyberdyne began such and such and such a program, which led to blah, 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 right. blah, 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 blah. Like, Kyle doesn't even yeah. know half of that. He's just like, he mentions Cyberdyne. He knows what model the Terminator is, which by the way, uh, is this the first use of HK in a movie as like Hunter Killer? Hmm. I don't know. That's a good I, question. I'd be interested. To, I'd be interested to know if it like had originated in like a military movie. Sure. But I, this this is probably one of the earliest or most iconic uses of the term. Yeah. I would imagine in a movie. Um, but like, yeah, we get, we, it's like, okay, at some point in the future, the machines decided, uh, the machine that was supposed to protect humanity decided that yep. hu all of humanity was a threat and tried to wipe us all out. So nuclear war happened. We were in camps after that. Uh, but then one man taught us to rise mm -hmm. up and fight back. And it's like, yeah, okay, I get it. Yep. Yeah, that's all that's we needed. That's all we needed. <laughs> yep. And, you know, subsequent movies go into more detail on all that stuff and have varying degrees of effectiveness with that. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, it, it's the perfect amount of world building. And as we are now in the spoiler chamber and can let the meter go off the charts, some of the twists in this movie are legitimately good. Yeah. Um, specifically the twist of Kyle Reese's role. Yeah. In, uh, in the entire story of Sarah Connor. Yes. that Because that, initially he just seems like a dude who is just very dedicated to his job. But then once yep. he and Sarah start to bond and he, he explains like that he's been in, that he, well, he doesn't say right off the bat that he's been in love with her, but he's like, he was so excited to get to meet her. Uh, Cause she's apparently like this legendary figure in the future. The mother of the hero. I mean, it, it is a very, um, to add a little bit of like, you know, Judeo Christian kind of religious sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Like it is, there is a little bit of like, the Jesus figure and then the the mother figure. Yeah, she's Mary. Mary. She's like the Virgin yeah. Mary, uh, and you could argue that like you have the the two you have two angels that come back uh -huh. to tell yep. her. One yep. of them a dark angel, the other one an angel of light, uh, <laughs> exactly. who's like, hey, just so you know, <laughs> uh, you have you are going to bear the savior of the world. Uh, right. Yeah. 
So Kyle is Gabriel of sorts, which is uh, yeah. Oh, that's an interesting and also, you could argue like to, there's the question of like fate. If we're if we're following mm. on that metaphor, then it's like okay, so Mary was divinely impregnated. She was Im she immaculately conceived. In this particular case, you could argue maybe fate or like destiny yeah. is the force that conspires yes. to connect them. Because at the end of the movie, Sarah decides to tell John who his father is. Yes. And then and then if we jump back to late, earlier in the movie, uh, John does not tell Kyle who mm -hmm. his father is. He claim, right. he just says he died before the war. Right. We, he, and it's like, oh, okay, all right, okay. Uh, and to but, put it in plain language, because we haven't said it yet, although it might be e easy to infer, Kyle and Sarah end up falling in love. And yes. they sleep together. And that is the reveal in that coming back to save Sarah Connor, Kyle Reese ends up becoming the father of John Connor. Yes. The one who was going to, to save everybody. Um, so there is, I mean, it's it's a beautiful little. Like, Wait, it, but that that but it always happened. I know that's what's that's what's wild. We have the the iconic line, uh, which is another great line from this movie. The that uh, Kyle comes back to deliver a message from John Connor to Sarah, and like the the pivotal line is, "The future is not set." Mm -hmm. And yet, and yet, <laughs> everything. This happened. is apparently exactly what has always happened, yes. or to some degree, what has always happened, because. In this movie, in the logic of just this movie, this appears to have been what has always happened. In subsequent movies, there are complications, let's yes. say, introduced to that. Um, another thing to point out is in the in the log in the premise of this movie, humanity has already won in mm -hmm. the future. Humanity has been victorious, and yeah. this is the last ditch effort on the part of the machines yes. to take down humanity. And so, even though there is even though at the end of the movie there's the storm coming and it's all very grim and Sarah's out on her own already starting to morph into like survivalist mode right we still have that sense like at the end it's like oh but but they win but they do win John in the wins end, right yeah and there again I mean you know I don't know that this is what Cameron was thinking but like there's there's biblical kind of uh, allegories there too you you think about the book of Revelation and like it gets very mm -hmm. dark but but you know God wins in the end sort of thing. And there is that mm -hmm. kind of sense of like, things are always going to end up on the side of right and whatnot. Yes. Um, but you mentioned earlier that out of the movies to compare this to through the years that the matrix is one of them. And then you were just talking about how, um, you know, the, 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 it's very lean. It's very kind of like we characters only know so much, but then in other movies, it great, you know, it expands. And I think that there's a similarity there, too, of, like, some of these really iconic films. Like, if you go think about The Matrix, like, even though there's a lot of world building, like, the first movie is pretty contained. Mm -hmm. It's pretty simple in some of its stuff. And then in the sequels, we start to build more and more and more yep. of the world. And I think the same formula applies here in that, you know, the first Terminator movie is an incredibly tight, contained film that doesn't need sequels. Although I think, you know, yeah. one of the sequels is the best one. Yes. But it, it, there's something beautiful about that perfectly contained story that just works on its own. A hundred percent. I so agree. And uh, yeah, that both of those movies really have that quality where we didn't really need mm -hmm. Matrix sequels. We don't need, we didn't need Terminator sequels. I mean, one of them ended up being amazing, yep. but we didn't need it. Right. Like it's it, the, honestly, the second one is basically just the first one with better effects <laughs> and some fun yeah. twists. Like that's, <laughs> right. that's basically what we're getting here. Yeah. Uh, the, 
but the first the first movie, yeah. Uh, this is something actually I wanted to. If we're gonna follow through even further with the religious mm. parallels, um, Kyle in the end sacrifices himself yeah. for the sake of humanity, for the sake of Sarah Connor, uh, to keep her alive, and he is. In the process, he is wounded in one of his hands as Sarah bites into his hand. He's shot in the side by the Terminator. Mm. Um, his feet are not injured, although we do get some a lot of shots of his Nikes. Uh, <laughs> can't, and, can't put a nail through the Nikes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it is interesting that he, there are, if you really wanted to draw that out, there are sure. a number of points where it's like, Okay, yeah, maybe. You can't, uh, you can't imagine that that was completely accidental. I mean, I think that there's definitely, yeah. you know, some some cultural influence, even on, if not only on the subconscious level um, there. But, but the thing I love the most about that whole journey, because I want to get back to Sarah Connor and to Linda Hamilton, mm -hmm. because we've talked a lot about Schwarzenegger, we've talked a lot about Michael Bean, but she is the heroine of this story. Yep. And for the vast majority of this movie, she is the damsel in distress. The classic, like, I don't know what's going on. Help me. Like, you know, mm -hmm. you've got to save me. And and I don't think that that's necessarily a, a detriment. Like, it's it's part of the movie. Like, she's just, she doesn't know there's a war. She hasn't been yeah. trained for this. The audience is there, too, for the most exactly, part. Exactly, yeah. We're like, what is going on right along with her? But her journey... Her journey towards taking her control of things herself, becoming her own badass, becoming the one who finally kills the Terminator mm. at the end of the film. Yeah. Is so good and so satisfying to watch happen. And yeah. Linda Hamilton crushes it. Like she she's able to play both sides of that coin. The the very naive, unexpected kind of damsel in distress and the hardened okay, in the last however many days I've seen some shit mm -hmm. and I'm ready to live. Yeah. Um whatever it takes. Like so good. I wrote this down because there's a pivotal line. When after Kyle is shot in the side and it's now Sarah has basically taken over a lot of the defense uh, and she's like dragging him through. They've managed to, mm -hmm. we've already had the tanker blow up and the incredible shot of the Terminator skeleton rising out of the flames yes. uh, and chasing them into the factory. There's the moment where Kyle is like, leave me, leave me. And it's like, he's, he's done. And she says, yeah. move it, Reese. On your feet, soldier! And it's like, yeah. oh, dang. It's like you see in that moment, she makes the switch. Yes. Like she's been moving, moving towards it. And now it's like in when her back is against the wall and all the chips are down, she loves this dude. She wants to survive. She she chooses to live yes. and she chooses to try and take him with her. Yes. And she she has switched into the leader of, of, of people, yeah. the leader of humanity in that moment. Yeah. And it's and it's and it's earned. It's not surprising. Um, even if it is, you know, such a big journey for her over the course of the of uh, not terribly long film, um, mm -hmm. under two hours. Under two hours, yeah. Again, one of those shocking, like, oh gosh, I thought this thing would be like two and a half, but no, it's uh, mm -hmm. it's very tight. Um, no, beautiful journey, incredibly well acted. She obviously goes on to play that character in several other films and do a killer job at it. Yeah, but I think out, you know, out of all of her performances across the board, I think this one is my favorite, just because. There is such a dramatic mm. change for her. It's such a big arc for her. Yeah, I, I, I definitely think that the the damsel in distress is almost a misleading statement because it's technically true. It is, but yeah. she's almost she's more of the audience 
she's more of the audience identification character because she's the only one who it's like ah she's a rough time at work you know she's having a rough love life she has like sure she's you know she's juxtaposed with her friend who has like this very salacious relationship with her with her boyfriend um she has a pet iguana named pugsley yep which by the way what a missed opportunity for this entire franchise that we don't get more pugsley uh, th- that is my biggest complaint about the Terminator franchise is yes. a distinct lack of Pugsley in, in these films. <laughs> yeah. But like the those. Yeah, the, she's so relatable. She's really likable and, and very mm-hmm. easy. Like the t- movie doesn't have to bend over backwards to do it. It's like she's like Peter Parker in that way. Which yeah, just, that's a great analogy. Yeah, yeah. she's a, a likable, well-meaning person trying her best. Yep. And life's just beating her up. And then she gets thrown into the most extreme circumstances. Uh-huh. And and yeah, I completely agree. Her performance, w- this movie would not work nearly as well no, without yeah. her performance. And and even, and I'll say, like there, there are seeds of that strength early on in the movie too in just the way that she does let things roll off her back or stand up to certain things and whatnot and like Mm -hmm. she does a really good job of balancing that like okay i'm not a superhero yet Mm -hmm. but the character is there and it it just needs an opportunity to, to to come out you know like you said when the chips are down yes the fact that she reacts to the increased danger of the Sarah Connors dying. Yep. When the initial news is like, oh, that's weird. And then by the time we get to the second one, there's the mo- moment where they're going to change the channel. She's like, wait, no, 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 keep yeah, that. Yep. And she's, it's a room full of men. She's like, no, keep it on that. And they're yes. like, oh, okay. And she, you can see her like, oh, this is bad. Uh-huh. And she's immediate, she immediately starts trying to take steps like to be safe. Steps yeah. that a normal person would take. Right. You call your roommate and, and friend and her boyfriend to come pick you up because you think you might be getting being followed and you've gone into a public place that you might be able to hide mm-hmm. like it all makes a lot of sense it does uh it's just so happens that the terminator figures out where she was gonna go because it can <laughs> hear her on the answering machine because of that call yep. uh and then of course the the one moment where it's like ah sarah what are you doing is when she calls her mom which yeah. again so i feel so like a relatable. lot of people yeah. would do that yeah, yeah. Th- like in, in on in all honesty most people would probably try and call their parent right. because all of their their best friend has just been murdered mm-hmm. like a bunch of people have been killed they have seen horrifying things you want to get your mom to safety right. i think that is absolutely understandable and ha- what a well done reveal of the of the camera panning across her mom's house, where you see the the hole blown through the door, yeah. still smoking in like the chaos of the room, and you're and still the hearing Terminator. the mom's voice off screen, off screen, off yes. screen, and then it's Schwarzenegger, <laughs> yes, doing her voice, so creepy. Which again, it's like you just you you go in, you watch and you go, oh no, but then you go, well, of course, it's a robot, of course it can it can mm-hmm. mimic voices, but it's just, it, the movie does such a good job of revealing different abilities and different little things. Um, and speaking of reveals, uh, I'd love to spend just a few minutes here talking about the special effects, mm. because specifically the scene where uh, the Terminator is kind of doing self-surgery. Yeah. And for the first time, we get that reveal of the metal underneath the skin. Yeah. Um, incredibly well done special effects. Especially the arm. Yes. And, and specifically by today's standards where we have so much seamless CGI. I mean, you can certainly look at the face prosthetics and see some of the seams. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the whole, like, so well done. And for me... I do really love older movies like this where you know, like, they had no way to do this CGI. Yeah. Like, they had to go about it the quote-unquote hard way, not the CGI is easy. Yeah. Um, 
but they had to get super creative with how they're going to approach this, and it was groundbreaking special effects. Mm -hmm. In fact, I would say the effects for me that jumped out the most as being like this, uh, aside from like the spaceships uh, and some of those mm -hmm. moments, the, the scenes where I was like, this would have benefited from like a little bit of CGI is when, uh, specifically after, uh, after the Terminator cuts out his eyeball, and yeah. he, you see the the eye hole with the red metal light shining through, and it's it's yep. clearly like if you're paying attention, it is clearly a puppet that they made of Arnold Schwarzenegger's head. Yes, uh, yeah, still like a disturbing yeah. looking puppet, but it's like you <laughs> right. know, but the skin texture's off, and yeah, yeah. today they, I, yeah. I think a mixture like they could have done what they did with like, uh, and um, they, I can see actually uh, the. The, there is, uh, in, in the spoiler chamber, uh, what we should explain is that the, when the spoiler radiation starts building, yes. it builds from a specific source. If we accidentally generate our own spoiler radiation from another property, uh, there are, in fact, fail-safes in place to prevent that spoiler radiation yes. from bubbling up. I, I've installed, essentially, spoiler siphons yes. uh, that... that pull that radiation out and disperse it uh, into the nebula. Yes, and they also happen to make an audible sound, so you can't hear what we just do. said. Which sounds like bleep. Yeah. So, I couldn't get rid of that. I tried real hard. Yeah. <laughs> you did a great job. Uh, but, they, they're, in a modern day, they probably could have done like a mixture, like they did with, say, The Walking Dead, for example, where it's like a mixture yeah. of practical and CGI. Uh, and you could have had sure. that be like partly a prosthetic and then just enhanced with the CGI. Sure. But honestly, the whole, the imagery, this is something I really wanted to highlight as well. Because I highlighted, I, I mentioned, I wrote it in my notes at the beginning. I was like, oh, I didn't realize that in this movie, Arnold Schwarzenegger does not have the iconic Terminator look yet. He doesn't have the short, spiky, sort of swept back hair that he has in later films. Yep. But he does. He just doesn't have it at first. There are subtle mm. changes to his appearance. At the beginning of the movie, yes. for example, he has eyebrows and he basically has his Pumping Iron era hair, which if you've seen Pumping Iron, uh, if you haven't seen it, go check it yeah, out. Great kind of movie. the flowy. Yeah. He has longer hair that's kind of swept to the side. And then after like the first big, big fight scene, his eyebrows are gone. Oh. The front of his hair gets in, in progressively shorter until by the end of the film, before, of course, all of his flesh is gone, he does have pretty much an approximation of the iconic Terminator hair. No eyebrows. I never noticed the no eyebrows thing. Yeah. That's so interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it's by the, I think it's by the time he's doing the surgery. He no longer has eyebrows. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. No, the uh, that that one scene obviously has a shot or two that is a little a little uh, you know could benefit from some modern stuff. The one that for me is very much on the line of am I gonna laugh at this or not is the <laughs> the I believe it's stop motion of the Terminator yes. skeleton yes. at the end. I knew as soon and as I you think said the biggest, I knew what you were gonna, <laughs> yeah which, which shot you were talking about and like freeze the frame it looks amazing yeah right it's it's it is the stop motion element that is very jarring it doesn't match the rest of the film yeah doesn't match what the human characters are doing and i don't know if it was budget issues or technology issues i feel like it could have benefited from a few more frames per second yes uh in order to get that to smooth out a little bit but at the end of the day you're so invested at that moment yeah. um and the other actors do such a good job pulling it off that it works. Yeah, and that is on. That was one of the moments where I was saying that you could have either had an "Oh come on" or "Oh yep. come on, he yeah. won't die." And that there are that yep. happens so many times at the end of that movie. It they it just does. keep doing it. Just it. Keeps, 
it's like the it's like the Lord of the Rings. It just keeps ending and then ending again and then ending again. Yeah. And, then, and like, when is it actually going to end? I'll be honest. Return of the King's endings work for me because it feels earned after everything we've been through. And in this movie, they do. It they really do. works. There's not even a question of whether or not because it hits. In this movie, it, it yeah. seems like again jumping back to like the birth of the slasher genre, which had really happened in the last five years leading up to the making of this movie. We had Halloween. Uh, we've already had yeah. a Nightmare on Elm Street, I believe, by this point. We've already had Friday the Thirteenth by this point. We've already Black Christmas had already come out. Uh, of course, uh, this is more than ten years after the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. But this is like yeah. the the killer coming back for one last scare. This is that, but on like a on a much higher level because it's. Like okay, first we blow him up and we see him collapse, and it's like oh right. thank God we did it, and then rising out of the flames, out of the like rubble. oh <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> so would you would you classify this as a sci-fi slasher film? It has some of the DNA for sure. It does not it does yeah. not fall under like the same teens cuz most of the time at the time especially right. at the time te- the slashes were about teenagers. You had the the themes of like sex and like you you do have a sort of a final girl situation. But yeah, I mean she's maybe a little bit older, but there is a lot about uh about uh the the, the characters at the beginning where they're at parties and they're they're talking True. about sex and, they're ha- and they've just stuff. had sex. Yeah. There's a very yeah, awkward yeah. sex scene. <laughs> where where Matt appears to be very into it, and Ginger is just reacting to the music. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. It's very weird. <laughs> but that's true. They do get killed shortly after that. Yeah, yeah. So that I don't know. It's it's borderline a slasher film for me. Yeah, I would say it's very influenced by the slasher genre. Uh, slasher sure. genre, especially even if it wasn't consciously. I, I don't. I don't know how you avoid the influence of stuff like Alien, yeah. stuff like Halloween, like those. This is such that the gi- the big hulking man chasing them relentlessly. Yes. No matter how fast they run, he always seems to be able to catch up. Yeah. He just won't stop. Yeah. Uh, and by the well, way, and that's part of the creepiness is that it's not that he's fast. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's that zombie effect of like, you know, he sure you can outrun him. But for how long? <laughs> that's a different type yeah. of scary. He will never stop. He yeah. won't stop. He'll, he, that's what he does. That's such <laughs> a good scene. And we haven't even talked about I'll Be Back yet. Oh, um, yo. Before we get to that, yes. I just want to highlight how big a role the police play in this. Because uh-huh. I had not realized how many scenes there are of the police actually trying to do their jobs right. and figure out, like, wait a minute. We have what appears to be a serial killer on our hands. Yeah. Or some kind of spree killer who's just running around shooting all these Sarah Connors execution style. We need to find the last one. And they start looking for Sarah. And they're desperate to find her. And it's like, oh, this is interesting. Like, they they actually have characters. Right. It's a little bit of slasher. It's a little bit of noir. Mm -hmm. And and definitely a lot of Mm -hmm. sci-fi. And that's... These are where some of the best movies come from, is taking multiple genres and kind of putting them all in the soup yeah. and, and cooking up some delicious gumbo. Yeah. And here's my question to you. By the time we get to the police station, so they've been arrested. Yes. They finally got caught. The Terminator escaped. We don't know where he went. He, we, all we know is that his car crashed, the doors open, he's gone. And the police yeah. arrest Kyle Reese. They take Sarah into custody. They're they're showing her the the iconic tape of Kyle screaming like he'll find her. It's it's what he does. It's all he does. And like the freeze frame where they pause the the film and he's just like ah! yeah, like <laughs> raving. Uh, they then they're like, look, 
we got 30 cops in here. Right. You're going to be safe. Even if this dude shows up, there's what's he going to do? And you're sitting there as the audience going, nope, no, you won't. Yeah, won't that's, what, that's what I was going to ask. Was there the same sense of like, nah, bro. Nope. <laughs> it's not going to go. It's not going to go, well. go the way you think. Any, I mean, this is just film literacy 101. Anytime an authority figure tells you that you're safe here, you know you aren't. <laughs> like, yeah, it's just, 100%. that's how it works. Um, Although I don't think most people thought it was going to go the way it did. No, no. And it's funny, though, because I had I had heard of the iconic I'll be back line over and over again well before I ever actually saw this movie for the first time. So I do remember watching the Terminator for the first time and that scene happens and feeling a little underwhelmed. Just because I think it had been so hyped up. And certainly him crashing the car through the police station is very kind of a big mm-hmm. moment. But just, I don't know, just something so nonchalant about that delivery of like, I'll be back. Yeah. Like, I kind of, because I'd heard that line so many times, I kind of expected it to be this bigger thing of like, like maybe he's getting zapped to the future and he's like, I'll be back, and, you know, for you or yeah. something. And it was this very like off the cuff thing. Um, yeah. Which is, more, it's uh, more funny than it is menacing. Yeah, honestly, a lot of the lines in this movie were driven deep into the pop culture consciousness by the sequel. And we'll get to that when we we eventually cover Terminator 2. But the fact that they repeat so many lines of dialogue in Terminator 2, but in in twisty ways, uh, I think is what... But the the I'll be back comes back in Terminator 2. And this is a very interesting bit of uh, trivia. Arnold Schwarzenegger did not like the line, I'll be back. And in fact, Mm. argued that the line should be, I will be back. Because he's like, robots wouldn't use contractions. That's what he was telling James Cameron. He's like, robots wouldn't use contractions. He should say- That's a good point. (laughs) I will be back. And James Cameron was like, look, dude, listen to me. The rhythm, it doesn't doesn't work as well. Just trust me on this. Say, I'll be back. I have to agree. Like I, his logic both, makes sense, but it doesn't. They're both right. Yeah, it just yeah. doesn't. It doesn't hit the same. I will be back. Does not hit as much as right. I'll be back. And yep. and the way the way that he says it as well. I think the fact that he says it so casually, uh, or in a, rather in an understated way, just I'll be back, and then leaves. The, I don't. I think that adds to it because of the extremity of what happens next. The fact exactly. that he then drives yeah. his car through the police station and then <laughs> guns down every person in there, which again, I love the way he carries. Like he's dual wielding a machine gun and a mm-hmm. shotgun, and the way that when he carries one, Beautiful. he's got the other one just kind of slung casually over his shoulder, and he'll just switch between the two. Yeah, excellent. Uh, yeah, this so movie. Good. Yeah, because oh. he could have played it very much like you know, like a like Schwarzenegger in Predator with the stances mm-hmm. and the and the flexing and all this stuff. And he and again, great choice on both him and the director's you know kind of decision making to to just I'm gonna say stoic the entire time. Like what is beneath this flesh is just programming. Yes. Yes. Uh, there's also a couple of lines that I want to highlight. Yeah. Uh, and oh, by the way, uh, to, to, in, to highlight even the slasher connections, there are a couple of scenes, especially early on, when Kyle is stalking Sarah that do feel very indebted to stuff like Halloween. Uh, like when yeah. Sarah walks out into the parking garage and is looking around and we're like scared in that moment. And then the camera, as it mm-hmm. follows her from inside a vehicle, we're like, Whoa. And then it pans to Kyle yeah, watching right. her inside the vehicle. It's like, oh no. Like that, that is absolutely. Yep, those POV shots. Yes. But there's a couple yep. of lines that I really, really like, which is, uh, that are really fun little mini gags. The first of which is when Sarah is having a horrible day at work and her friend comes up to her and is says, hey, 
in a hundred years, no one will care. Uh, <laughs> such a great, like, just being like, well, actually. Well. <laughs> <laughs> and then the other one is when, uh, whenever they call Sarah's apartment later in the movie, and the and she the answering machine message is her pretending to answer and then saying, ha ha, fooled you, you're talking to a machine. Another great uh, moment. Yep, that's great. Yeah. I think for me, my other favorite line is uh, right before she kills the Terminator by dropping kind of the, the machinery on him, which also I just realized machine got killed by another type of machine. Interesting. Mm. Um, but her, her saying, you're terminated, fucker, yeah. is just so good. And like, yes, it's cheesy. Yes, it's a pun. Yes, it's like a one-liner but like it's also like so earned yes. and so like you're just cheering in that moment for her and you're like yeah you said a cool thing yeah well and everything up to that point is so like it's get, the fact that even after kyle sacrifices himself it's yep. it's half a guy it's and still it's still coming. yes and yes. she's and we have like the slowest chase of all time where oh, she's crawling yes. across the ground it's having terrifying. just pulled shrapnel out of her thigh and the terminator is just dragging itself after her it's it's a zombie film at the end yeah it really, really is. And it comes yeah. within centimeters of grabbing her multiple times. And we're like, ah, ah. <laughs> she's still crawling <laughs> along. And then it's managing to squeeze his arm increasingly through the bar and get his hand yep. around her throat. And you can tell it's about to start squeezing as she's desperately trying to find the button. And then she finds it. Like, it is so earned. It is so. Yeah. Even given so the fact earned. that earlier in the movie, which is another line I love, when Kyle's like, you've been targeted for termination. Uh, we already yeah. have the president. I think it's yeah. It could. It's is it cheesy? Sure. At least in another movie. In this movie, it is a sure. fist pump. You're like yes. That's right. Yes. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, the spoiler radiation is starting to dissipate, mm -hmm. and I think at this point, uh, over here, uh, if you'll come with me over to the uh, the quark container. Yes. I think it's time the, to the look flux inside. The flux quark capacitor. Yes, they. Sorry, I. That's your department. I'm. I'm spoilerology. Right. Of course. So, you know. I'm <laughs> the quark master. <laughs> the quarker master. I'm the quarker master aboard this ship, <laughs> aboard this vessel. Oh my god, that's brilliant. The quarker master. Um, so it's time to look inside and see how many quarks we see and how many quarks we're going to give. Yes. The terminal. Okay, so I am going to uh, base the number of quarks that I see as I open this. Uh, I'm going to see, I have a little box of gum here, and I'm going to count the number of pieces of gum in this box, and that will determine how many quarks I see. All right, Excellent. so I see 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. So out of 17 quarks... Honestly, you could make a case for like 16 and a half. I'm going to go 17. I think I could this movie have been better at the time it was made? Maybe. <laughs> I'm not sure how. <laughs> and and honestly, for how effects heavy it is, the fact that it works at all today, let alone to the extent that yeah. it still does, this movie is in my opinion a masterpiece of the genre. Uh, yes. I'm gonna go 17 out of 17 quarks. 
Yeah. So I'm going to see the same number of quarks as I have Pokemon cards uh, currently sitting on my desk, oh. um, which is going to be 19. I just counted the stack. Mm -hmm. Are there any holographics in there? Uh, these are all commons. I got all the hollows uh, okay. in sleeves and in the binder. So uh, of course, just common, of course. just common quarks. Um, I'm going to give it an 18 out of 19. And the only reason, because I, <gasps> I know, I know I've betrayed you. Um, the only reason I'm going to do that is because I do think that there could have been a, a few more frames per second <laughs> on, that, on that ending stop motion. Like, come on. Like, you, you got to be able to do it, man. Like, I don't know. I feel like, like in just, the 80s, though. Like, I know I, it holds up, but I also need to look at it and go, look, it is what it is. And it does pull me out of the movie a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, it does make me giggle in the, in a way that maybe it didn't intend to. So it's such a small quibble. Um, overall, I agree. This is a, it's a masterpiece. I think it is pretty much a perfect film. Um, and, but I, I also think it's charming to the point where like, I wouldn't want them to pull a Star Wars and like release a, an updated edition or something with like new CGI or something like yes. that. Like leave it the way it is. It is what it is. Like it works as well as it does. And yeah, 18 out of 19 quirks. I'm going to look something up just for comparison. Uh, okay. I want to see something. You're talking about stop motion effects and how you wish they could have done more frames. Now, yes. when you start talking stop motion creature effects in the 1980s in a sci-fi movie, one of the first things that comes to mind, especially in the early 80s, is John Carpenter's The Thing, which mm. has some notable motions of uh, uh, moments of stop motion animation. Now, I just looked at the budget for The Thing, which was yeah. released in 1982. Uh, the, I'm going to say first the budget for Terminator. Budget for Terminator, $6.4 million. The okay. budget for The Thing, $15 million. Okay, yeah. I think that tells you everything you need to know. <laughs> they did the best. I don't think they, <laughs> they could have done more. I actually yeah. don't think they could have done more frames. That's, I mean, that is impressive to do that movie, on, even back in the 80s, on $6.5 million. Like, yeah. That's impressive. That's a low budget a movie. a lot of set pieces in that film. Yeah. And a lot of effects. Yeah. I think you would struggle to make the same. I mean, they struggled to make the movie at the time, but I think you sure. would struggle to make a movie that is that effects driven, like big effects on such yeah. a small budget like that. Even, even I mean, obviously the budget inflation. would be bigger, yeah. adjusted for inflation, but even so, like yeah. that's a lot. The number of explosions yes. that they had to do, the number of vehicles they had to destroy, uh -huh. the number, the puppetry, the like all the makeup. Yeah, like, come on. Uh, yeah, someone wasn't making money. Somewhere yeah, on the there's. Group. I just want to shout out one or two more things that I really, really love, which is that I love. I already kind of said it, but I love the way that Arnold Schwarzenegger's look changes over the course of the movie. Not only yes. in terms of the eyebrows and the hair, but also in terms of him gaining the sunglasses and the iconic leather jacket as the yep. movie goes on. To where by the end he does have like a really distinctive costume, and the fact that the Terminator appears to be like the flesh of the Terminator is decaying and getting increasingly mm. gross. Like, in, in the sense that he gets more and more pale and, like, yeah. sickly looking uh, as the movie goes on. I think that is beautiful. And the shot of his face, half machine, half human, when he turns to the guy and is like, get out, uh, in, the, yeah. in the truck. Amazing. So and I want to give a little shout-out to Franco Columba uh, and the whole flashback dream sequence that 
also may have been dreamt by Sarah Connor, perhaps. It's not clear because she's like, I was dreaming about dogs. Uh, the, the way, and she, and then Kyle's like, we use them to detect Terminators. And she's like, your time is, like, you're, the future, you're, the, where you come from is, is so terrible. It's so, it's so grim. It's almost like that she dreamt this. But the whole yeah. depiction of humanity's circumstances in the future and, like, how, how much squalor and pain and suffering they're in, and yet they continue to persevere. And then Franco Columba, who, if you're not familiar, was basically like the second best bodybuilder of the 1970s. He kept losing to Arnold Schwarzenegger. And like the <laughs> one year Arnold Schwarzenegger didn't compete in Mr. Olympia, Franco won. Uh, yep. An incredible bodybuilder. I love that Arnold got his buddy to be in this movie as the other Terminator. Um, yeah. But it also, the few glimpses that we have of his face, he is a less intimidating presence than Arnold Schwarzenegger is. Despite being mm -hmm. still a gigantic man, uh, right. it, it actually highlights how effective Schwarzenegger's performance yes. is in this film. Yeah, um, very much. Yeah. Uh, if, if, if you have listened this far and you still have never watched this film, please go do it. You gotta do if it. If you like science fiction, like legitimately, if you like science fiction, you will almost certainly like this film. If you like action, you will almost certainly it's like this film. It's hard to dislike it, uh, honestly. Like, it's just it's just a fun time. Yeah. If you like horror, we didn't get into, like, the self-surgery scene is legitimately unsettling. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not only just impressive effects, the sound effects that, they, that he has when he's operating on his eyeball. Oh, yeah. I yeah. watched this movie when I was eight years old, and <laughs> that scene disturbed me more than almost anything I'd ever seen in a movie, I think, up to that yeah. point. Like, yeah. it's the sound. You don't even see it. Nope. You just hear it. Yep. It's, and it's, it's like. Beautiful filmmaking. Uh, beautiful yeah. Filmmaking. So effective. So effective. Oh, man. Um, we didn't even talk about the themes. We didn't, but that's okay. We're running out of time. We're yeah. Out of time on this one. Uh, we set them up top. We set go, them up top. Go watch the movie again. Uh, this movie's a masterpiece. I think we touched on some um, of them as we went. But, Jeremy, why don't, yeah. you, uh, why don't you take us out with where folks can find us on the interwebs? Yes, you can find us on Twitter at Q Reactor Show. Uh, we, you can also find us on Discord. We have a Discord, and it's a relatively active Discord as well. It is. Uh, we please join us. We we try to interact with the fans on a regular basis. You can help vote on what movies we we will cover next because we got a long list already. So we've got a channel called Incoming Transmissions where you can tell us your favorite sci-fi films you'd like to see us review here on the Space Station. Yes, uh, and those transmissions are being directly to us here on the Quantum Reactor. Yes, you can even jump into the spoiler chamber yourself and discuss spoilers about the movies that we've covered as well as movies that we could potentially cover uh, on the show. Uh, please join us. The link uh, to the Discord will be in the show notes. Um, who knows? By the end, by, soon we may expand onto some other social media platforms, but as of right now, it's Twitter and Discord. Uh, you can find me on Twitter as well, at JeremyCobb1. That's Cobb with two Bs and the number one. Drew, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter at Drew underscore Coons. The only place I actually go by Drew uh, is on Twitter because I needed a short handle. Uh, <laughs> but we would love to see you there. And we will look forward to the next time you visit us here at the Quantum Reactor. Mm -hmm. I'll see you on the event horizon. 